you are listening to The Transport, episode 25, Queen and Community. The Transport by Alex Ames. You are listening to The Transport, a sci-fi military action thriller audiobook podcast written and performed by Alex Ames. The music throughout the podcast is the song The Last True Boss by Kumiku, available on the freemusicarchive.org. Chapter 107 Charles Norman, the president repeated, is the ship secured? Charles hesitated. If he said no, it would be mere minutes before veracity would turn into Hiroshima. As simply as that, a whole American town eradicated from the map. 50,000 people turned to dust, coal or burnt zombies. Humankind saved. The planet saved. Maybe. If he said yes, there would be no destruction. Hopefully Eva's explosive would go off on time, eventually killing the aliens inside and rendering the ship useless. Situation normal. If Charles were wrong, he would give the aliens a perfect opportunity to get away. Who knew whatever retaliation thoughts they had formed in their slimy little minds during the last 60 years? Hey guys, let's turn that nice blue marble into a blackened piece of charcoal as a parting gift. Yes, Mr. President, Charles heard himself say, fully on autopilot, his mind somehow disconnected from his body. Inside the ship are the bombs inside the ship, the President shouted. Charles breathed in heavily. Positive. The bombs are inside. Repeat. The bombs are inside. When will we see the result? Any second now, Charles lied. Norman, what have you done? We have bombs on board. They'll detonate any second now. All clear. Oh God, Charles, what have you done? Chapter 108 Kimmick Lieutenant Kimmick impatiently waited for his turn. He had been one of the long-time converts, a surgically implanted sclone with almost no side effects except a heightened appetite to feed host and guest simultaneously. Nervously, he made small talk with Fenton, who waited behind him, both eager to be their old sclone selves again. They were the last in line, the reconversions almost done. A long journey coming to an end for them. Well, for most of them. Outside, shots still rang out, the last opportunity of the army opposition to do some damage. Sometimes a ricochet zinger buzzed by the hatch, and the converts flinched each time and ducked their heads. Converts were not privy to the current status of the final checks, but they sure hoped the hatch would start closing soon. Ivan must have run into trouble, Fenton stated, looking back to the still open hatch. 
He was guarding the backside of the transport and didn't come in. Things are still hot, it seems, Kimmick replied. Glad to be back in here, ready to be reconverted. Better him out there than me. Fenton gave his comrade in arms a nod look. A non-violent species by nature, Sclones relied on community and science and only managed their domination through massive use of technology. The concept of individualism was alien to them. It was Kimmick's turn. He had to lay down on the floor, face down. For any human, converted or not, this was an ordeal, as the floor was covered in blood, skin and slaughtered human flesh. His human body couldn't hold back its gag reflex and the overpowering smell and horrible sight made him puke. Otherwise, the robot extractor made the whole procedure painless for host and guest. As clones were able to embed themselves in a plethora of host species, their scientists had long given up administering pain medication as chemicals work differently in each species. Instead, the procedure came down to good old mechanics. Why bother with a laser if the host species had a central nervous system easily available? The robot's long multiflex arms stabbed Kimmick in the base of the neck with a sharp, broad-bladed scalpel, right below the skull, disconnecting the brain from the rest of the body. Kimmick felt the strong thud when the metal stuck up to the handle, both species suddenly feeling strong disorientation. The Sclone's sensory input was reduced to zero. No sight, no sound, no smell, no touch. It removed its feelers from Kimmick's nerve system and became a hostless Sclone again, helpless and dependent on technology. Its external sensory inputs faded away from its short-term memory. Like a dream, it immediately started forgetting what it had meant to see and feel the world as a human. It was dark and nothingness dominated. But it knew that in a few seconds it would be extracted into a nice, warm and nutritious life pot and connected again to its beloved community. Kimmick, the human, became self-determined again, free from the nerve and mind shackles of the sclone inside of him. His own sensations were different ones. Fear, endless fear of what was to come. First, the surprising cut below the skull, a small mercy to just watch your own death, instead of experiencing the pain too. He could still see, hear, smell, even though his heart had stopped beating already. The sterile LED light in the loading area of the ship, the hum of unknown machines and the fighting noises outside. He just knew that he was his old self again and that the green slug inside his body had given up control. But now the ugly green slug would leave him. Human Kimmick had watched the previous conversions, he knew what was coming, and he realized that he would fully experience his own slaughter, sight, sound and smell. The reconversion robot grabbed the human's midriff, spun him on his back, and the soldier was suddenly staring at the ceiling of the loading area while the two robot arms were doing something to him. Kimmick was unable to move his head anymore, the muscle control in his neck was gone. The lack of oxygen slowly caught up with him, his chest paralyzed, unmoving, denying his lungs the necessary air exchange. But before Kimmick formulated the panic in his brain, the other robot arm, equipped with another type of blade, came down, 
and with a single hard thrust cut open Kimmick's torso from below up to the breastbone, cutting through clothes, skin, tissue and organs. Blood splattered everywhere. In horror, human Kimmick watched as his lower half broke up, intestines exposed starting to spill out, blood flowing from dissected arteries, no longer driven by blood pressure. A third mechanical arm came down from the ceiling, a sort of suction device like an oversized transparent vacuum cleaner hose, poking into the insides of Kimmick. The last thing that the living human Lieutenant Benjamin Kimmick saw was his former guest species, a large green slug with four tentacles on one end, being sucked slowly into a transparent hose. Human host and sclone guest were separated at last. Oxygen deprivation took its toll and eternal night took human Kimmick away to a better place. Chapter 109 Leo Leo ran like hell. It felt like he had been running all through the last 36 hours, but this time it was different. He briefly entered the elevator bank of the lobby, which was all shut up, guns still rattling from the front steps, bullets flying. He made a sharp right turn and ran down the long corridor as far away as possible, as quickly as possible. Towards the back door, like a cruise missile, determined to heed Eva's wish and get himself into safety. He pushed the fire door towards the back of the building open, and it almost flew from its hinges. Leo's mass simply forced himself through. The second he saw Jay behind the door, he knew he had been too careless. Bad, my effing bad. Jay was as surprised as Leo. Leo was getting out, Jay was getting in. Jay reacted, remembered his weapon and started to raise the submachine gun that he carried in his two hands in front of him. Leo, the lover, not the fighter, did not even think about his riot gun strapped over his back. Leo's 240 pounds versus Jay's 140, a slam dunk for Leo. He overran his opponent. Leo's gun steel between the colliding bodies knocking the air out of Leo adding to the various lesions that certainly would turn blue and black in the next hours. Physics were physics, and Jay was flung back after a brain-rattling impact. He hit the ground backwards, and Leo was passed. He noticed Smitty, who got out of a large pickup truck with an extra-large cab. The slimy slugs preparing their getaway? In a car? What about the spaceship? In theory, this had to be good opportunity to get them for good. He was no hero, let the professionals deal with it. But he needed to alert Charles or the remaining Green Berets. Smitty, too, seemed too surprised to grab his weapon and by then Leo was almost around the corner. Leo quickly looked back how Jay fared, but the man lay still on the ground, unconscious or seriously dazzled. Then Leo was gone behind the building where he immediately crossed the parking lot. Shots rang out from the building's roof. Maybe it was already Eva in action doing her thing. Go girlfriend. Leo continued to run alongside the building, coming around on the other side towards the front parking lot where the back end of the huge transport greeted him. 
He saw people and it almost gave him a heart attack. But then he recognized Charles and Cena hiding behind the power generators and the large wheels exchanging fire with someone near the edge room. Something caught his eyes, a body falling from the roof, and Leo's gaze caught a movement on top of the building and his heart froze. Eva's silhouette appeared, holding a rocket launcher. She looked like an ancient Greek Amazon warrior with a spear. Hair in perfect order, a petite woman bringing death, aiming the rocket launcher at the ship in one smooth motion. Hi, Alex Ames here. Sorry for the little interruption. This story will continue momentarily. If you like a good thriller, check out my 2020 novel, COVID Trouble. COVID Trouble is a novel in my ongoing troubleshooter series, featuring the corporate troubleshooter Paul Trouble. COVID Trouble takes place in Paris, France after the first lockdown of 2020, just when life seems to normalize again during the worldwide life-threatening pandemic. And France is getting ready for some well-earned summer vacations. Someone is poisoning supermarkets with the virus. Is it a lunatic? Is it a terrorist act? Paul Trouble will find out. A lot of bullets will fly. There are car chases, gunfights, rooms full of dead people, deadly fire traps and many, many, many ways to die. COVID Trouble is available as ebook at most online retailers and as paperback at Amazon and some other retailers. Check it out, it's a ride. It's inspired by the current events of that crazy, crazy year 2020. COVID Trouble is the name, Alex Ames, the author. That being said, by the book. And now, let's jump back into the transport. Chapter 110 Herbert Herbert and Linny took the shelter of the black smoke and the atrium. Shooting had stopped as no one could identify any more targets. They were on their own. The hatch would be closed any second. Linny still covered their flank, but it was only a matter of minutes until the army would make an approach. Where were Jay and Smitty and the cars? As if on cue, Smitty called on the walkie-talkie. Eastern parking lot, Starling, do you copy? Starling is dead, just dropped off the roof. Anyone up there hear me? Herbert asked into the microphone. Silence. Herb, are you coming? Sixty seconds, Herbert confirmed and pulled Linny up. Time to leave. Chapter 111 The Sclone Community Embedded sclones inside the hosts were confined to the sensory inputs of the hosts. Inside the ship, with a direct nerve to computer connection, they had a full 360 degree input of everything that was happening around them. 
The ship's control and monitoring system, fully activated now, captured an immense amount of data from all kinds of receptors that were unlike anything that humankind's primitive electronics offered. It plotted the location of the left-behinds, Herbert, Blinney, Jay and Smitty, and any other living being in the vicinity, whether it was human, animal, rodent or insect, anything. The system knew instantly about Eva's attack on the roof, the one-by-one -one killings of the guards on top. And even more importantly, it detected that Eva was a cyborg sent to terminate the Sklone's approach onto new planets. Artificial intelligence condensed the onslaught of data into useful chunks of information that got compared to the tactical and strategical objectives. Liftoff was paramount, not to be interrupted, but Eva's action on top of the roof threatened the liftoff. The tactical exchanges between the Sklones and their ship happened in fractions of second at the speed of thought. Defense calculated the threat that stemmed from Eva's gun, considered the risk low, but highlighted the risk from her rocket grenade launcher. Facilities gave the all-clear signal closing the hatch. Navigation had plotted the lift-off course and the approach to the pickup location. They declared takeoff readiness. Ship control confirmed. Defense gave a red alert. The cyborg will destroy the loading area with a 60% chance of permanent damage to the loading door. It's too fast. What do you propose? The Supreme Commander asked. We only have defensive weapons on board, but they might be too aggressive, Defense answered. We suggest throwing one gravity impulse. That should neutralize the threat. Chapter 112 Kimmick The Sklone, formerly hosted by Lieutenant Kimmick, was lifted into a comfortable and secure life pod, away from the confines of a different species with all of the confusing and threatening sensory inputs. Humans' hormone-controlled emotions had been the biggest annoyance ever. He had not felt to be himself for a long time. The robotic arm sucked him from Kimmick's open human torso, started to cleanse the green body with disinfection spray and slid him into the refreshing nutrition fluid inside the life pod. After two years of conversion, back where he belonged. Heaven was Kimmick's first sclone thought. Turning into hell. Chapter 113 Eva Eva saw the hatch slowly closing, the intended target for her rocket-propelled grenade growing smaller and smaller. Her robotic neutron brain knew no panic or nervousness, for her everything was simply a physical calculation. She aimed, corrected for wind and steep angle and pulled the trigger. The tube ejected its payload with loud whoosh and the deadly trail hurried towards the hatch.
Chapter 114 The Sclone Community Inside the ship, the consensus building between engineering, defense, tactics and the Supreme Commander had finished. The Supreme Commander issued the command for the record. Defense, you are authorized to give the near vicinity one small gravity impulse directed at the building. Section Defense dialed the gravity wave generator down to the smallest, tiniest notch. A millisecond of discussion followed among the defense specialists. Was this really a good idea? You never know how the gravity system of a planet would react to artificially induced gravitational waves. Sclone Starfleet Academy taught a case in which the overeager use of a gravity impulse generator had set the whole tectonic structure of a planet, the thin crust swimming on molten stone and steel, into a catastrophic... The senior defense coordinator overrode the discussion and section defense pressed the virtual trigger. Chapter 115 Fenton Private Will Fenton waited for his turn to be reconverted. He was the last one and understandably very nervous. It was not over until it was over, and with all the violence and fighting going down outside, he would only feel safe inside his life pod. His human mind, boggled at the horror of the slaughter, unable to turn his eyes away, could not unsee what was happening, fully aware that his own body would go through the same bloody and painful slaughter as Kimmick and the others right in front of him. Fenton Sclone eagerly awaited the reconversion, worrying about the fighting outside while the hatch was still open. Bullets traveled quickly and explosions caused shrapnel to fly around. Kimmick's reconversion went without a hitch, the robot arm cradling the comrade, another arm pushing the dead body aside to make room for the next convert. Good, the hatch had started to close. Not good for the comrades still outside, like Herbert and Linny, but Fenton knew that they would be picked up later. The community took care of its own. Both minds, the human host and its parasite species, were in the middle of their very different contemplations when two things happened at once. The ship made a small jolt. A gravity impulse going out, Fenton's sclone thought. That was unheard of. Something must. At the very same moment, Eva's rocket grenade arrived through the remaining 10-inch gap between door and hatch. The loading room filled with a flash of white, immediate rocket shrapnel flying everywhere, fire, the force of the explosion reaching into every corner of the loading dock. Fenton's body was violently flung against the far wall, limbs torn from sockets, skin burning to a crisp from the heat. He was killed instantly, leaving the sclone inside him dizzy from the sensory shock, then slowly suffocating and dying of heat inside the battered and burned host body. Ex Kimmick's new life pod, still suspended in mid-air by the robot arm, was blasted to pieces, glass breaking, shards flying, shredding the green slimy slug-like creature into ground meat, splattered everywhere. 
The ex-Kimix clone was immediately burned to carbon gas in the immense heat of the rocket launcher's deadly explosive payload. Anything mechanical, like the robot arms and the empty pod reserved for Fenton, were mangled and broken by the explosion's force. Various red alert lights started flashing in the virtual control consoles of the ship's deck. Chapter 116 The Sclones Community The outside sensors saw the rocket coming in, and for the Sclones it was a disaster unfolding in slow motion. Tactics informed everyone of the fact. Incoming. A fraction of a second later, facility reported the resulting explosion within the loading area, severe damage, and several deaths. Status, take off status. The Supreme Commander shouted over the ensuing community noise to keep everyone aligned. Facilities gave the good news after a quick check. Loading can continue. Hatch almost closed. Damn it! The Supreme Commander cursed to himself. The humans had landed a serious hit. Would this ever end? We need to leave. Now. Defense. One gravity impulse sent. Well, came too late, but thank you, Tactics remarked dryly. Facility came on the communication again. Hatch closed. The gravity wave inducer sighs to brood itself through asteroid belts or an occasional low-density planet gave a gentle tap into Earth's atmosphere towards the building. The wave hit the Legion Analytics HQ like a slap with the giant's open hand. It broke every window, pushed walls away, wrecked havoc inside and removed from one side of the building any static stability. Dust spewed in all directions when mason stones were ripped apart, concrete floors crumbled like paper, the floors steel beams without foundation. More than half of the building collapsed in a giant rumble on top of the utility building behind it. The building only absorbed a fraction of the wave's energy, while the remaining force raced towards the next buildings and pushing those over too. Like a hurricane, it sucked everything not grounded with it in a wave of metal, cars, glass, concrete, plants and rocks. And dust, dust everywhere. Luckily, the desert started behind the industrial zone, so the path of destruction ran itself out with little further damage after a few miles, ending the amazing path of destruction. Defense gave a told-you-so to command while tactics filed the observed behavior on this planet's surface for the interplanetary know-how database. One good thing, they were ready to leave after all. Chapter 117 Eva Eva felt the gravity wave hit her as the rocket left the tube on her shoulder. Her feet registered the building below moving and then her whole body was lifted off the ground, her arms wildly flailing to stay in control. Her computational mind did not understand what was happening. Mass force was one of the constants. 
like a newspaper, in the wind she flew, earth gravity overridden by the spaceship's gentle, forcible poke. A fraction of a second later the impulse had passed and gravity had her again. Not a creature of the air, her trajectory turned downwards. The last things her sensory systems recorded were shock and darkness. Chapter 118 Sina The night was over, definitely. The blackness had been taken over by grayish sky. It already gave enough light to see. It was a new morning, and the MMTU platform was in the hand of the army again, all clone guards either dead or gone. Sina took a forward position behind the cover of one of the creaking object's cradles, aware that it could crush her within the blink of an eye if things went haywire. Sina felt tired, more dead than alive. Thinking about Ivan and Mac, the death still made her head reel. A vibration on her belt made her realize that communication gear was working again. Hopefully the rest of the surviving team also noticed. Sina reconnected her earpiece, watching her surroundings. Sina here. Anyone online? She spoke. Her hearing was not fully restored and hopefully she could make out a reply. There was static and then a few seconds later Ludovic connected, faint and distorted. Sarge. We are behind the front wheels. The transport is ours again. I have Casper with me. Good to hear, Sarge. Only the roof still gives us trouble, Casper chimed. You have no idea how glad I am to hear your voices, guys. Not sure whether Whittaker or Ghana made it, though. Suddenly, there was no more shooting from the building, neither from the roof nor the atrium. And then Sina saw a man falling, hitting the concrete in front of the entrance. The inside team must have succeeded with their attack against the roof guards after all. Small victory. Suddenly the small figure of Eva appeared on the roof's rim, a rocket launcher on her shoulder, firing without hesitation. With a whoosh, Eva's rocket snaked itself into the last remaining slit of the ship's loading hatch, barely visible above Cena its exhaust trail still hanging in the cool morning air like a thin long finger pointing from the young cyborg's rocket launcher to the ship's side, the explosion from inside clearly audible in the morning air. Sina felt pressure on her eyes and heard a sharp pop in her ears. Her hearing returned. Before her eyes, one half of the Legion building crumbled in an incredible spontaneous event. No explosion, no fire, no wrecking ball or collision, just an invisible force and the immediate rumbling sound of a mortar being ripped from bricks. At the same time the whole transport jerked as if tipped gently by a giant's finger. Simultaneously all MMTU units gave whining hydraulic noises as the controls tried to balance out the sudden shift of weight and the cradles emitted low creaks as if they were to break any second. Eva's body jerked away from the roof and out of view as if pulled by a string. Then came the irritating sight of a distorted facade like a large piece of paper crumbling before one's eyes. 
straight lines weathering, then a dark dust storm erupting from shattered windows and from between collapsing walls and floors, material and dust, racing with an ear-shattering roar, like an instant tornado maker into the desert behind it. Charles screamed somewhere from her right, out of sight. It's moving! Everybody, run! Sina thought he meant the building. Mr. Obvious. But suddenly, the cradle creaking above her was replaced by a different noise. The ease of tension, like a long metallic sigh. Below her feet, the platform of the MMTU she was standing on started to give a low hissing ache. She took steps backward, getting distance to the cradle beam, checking her path and ran to the outer edge of the transporter, jumping over each unit gap. She looked over her shoulder while running and almost fell headlong because the sight was spectacular. The spaceship started moving visibly above her, majestically, inch by inch. The huge mass they had hauled around on the biggest transport unit ever invented rose up like a feather in the wind, gently, without a sound. Again, Sina experienced an enormous pressure on her eyeballs, but otherwise there was nothing physical or chemical about the starship's movement. No propulsion, no airstream, no noise, nothing. Just majestic, calm hovering. The giant dust cloud from the crumbled building traveled towards them, and the team continued to move away from the MMTU. Sina half climbed, half jumped off the MMTU platform. The silence was deafening after the shootings, the explosions and the crumbling building. Sina briefly thought her hearing was gone again, but other noises slowly emerged. Sina couldn't help it. She stopped and had to look again. More than half of the Legion headquarter building was leveled, the morning sky already well visible through the still spreading dust cloud and the ship floated ten feet above the transporter. Chapter 119 The Sclone's Community Facilities still couldn't give a body count for the rocket explosion in the loading area, but they presumed everyone down there to be dead. On the positive side, the explosion hadn't reached beyond the loading area and the hatch was now properly sealed. They were finally ready to take off. Tactical, are we still good? The Supreme Commander inquired. We can't go hyperspace due to the wreckage in the loading area, but we can lift off at slow acceleration, Tactical replied. Facilities stopped the enthusiasts. Search and rescue can't happen. The helper robots must clear the loading area first and do some basic repairs, otherwise we can't open the door for Herbert and the others and perform their reconversions. We can do that while in the air holding or while we wait on the ground for the rest of the ground team. Life support came onto the stream. We are still not done reconnecting the last parts from the lab. Another few minutes. The Supreme Commander waved the critics off. They are protected in their pods. Let's hover to check the capacity of the gravity pool while you finish the connectors. And then we put some distance between us and this location. Take off. 
Control confirmed. Hovering activated. Glide mode only. Let's give us one yard to clear the transport. Navigation added. Low acceleration course plotted. 15 miles, keeping angular vector. The holding position is defined. The spaceship started to hover slowly, leaving its cradle of the last 36 hours behind, floating into air with neither sound nor visible propulsion. The Supreme Commander was overcome by own feelings of pride and hope. We are going home. We are finally going home. The community noise mirrored his own sentiment. Sclones couldn't cry, but they had feelings and they were moved easily. Everyone gave a short comment, an instant unified murmur echoing through the communication network, everyone receiving the wishes, prayers and thanks of everyone else. The Supreme Commander added, Community, we've made it. I am proud of all of you. Everyone who had endured the years of exile is a hero. Back home, our endeavor will be the stuff of legends. Thanks to you who made this possible, I could not be prouder to serve you as Supreme Commander. An incredible tribulation comes to an end. Queen and community. Queen and community, came the unison sound, shouts of pride and joy from the community. This was it. This is it for this week's edition of The Transport, the sci-fi action thriller written and performed by Alex Ames. If you liked what you just heard, leave a comment in whatever platform you downloaded or listened to the podcast. If there are stars, star me, help me spread the good. And again, my shameless self-promoting plug, if you liked it so far and can't bear the suspense, buy the book. If you can bear the suspense, buy the book. And that's it, for real. Wherever you are, whoever you are, thank you, take care, I hear you next time. This is Alex Ames, this was The Transport, over and out.